0: Let me jump in. I, I do. We're already hitting on it in a few different spaces. I want to talk a lot today about waiting. Uh, uh, that being like the final word, like one of the final words coming in the text preceding this. If you don't remember, right before this, the, some of the final words Jesus shares with them is he says, "Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the giving, uh, for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Go to Jerusalem and wait." And yet, uh, I'm not much for waiting. I don't know if you're that much for waiting. I personally don't know if anybody likes waiting. Not one person likes waiting, is comfortable with waiting. Um, And we deal with that in a lot of different ways. You know, when I'm, I, I have a lot of systems, habits built into my life to avoid waiting, any waiting. Whenever I'm standing at the microwave, I always check my searches on Craigslist. Every time, every time. Because God forbid I have to wait 90 seconds for this piece of pizza. I have to redeem that time for something, something effective in my life. So i got to pull up and look at my, my saved searches on Craigslist. I've already learned all the best ways to avoid red lights in Tampa. And some of you have too. Uh, my favorite one right now is MLK between like 7.30 and 9.30 in the morning you do not try to get to 275 on MLK you take you take 30 what is that 32nd or something like that the one right before it and that junk is wide open all the way to Walgreens and Winn-Dixie it's like wide open and there's one stop sign in there and I've decided it's optional you just (laughs) slow it's a yield it's a yield it's a yield some of you are very scared to drive around me I heard the stop signs with the white lines around them are optional. Those are yields, they're yields, they're yields. Do you guys ever, when you go to a, when you go to like a fast food restaurant, you try to calculate between the drive-through or just going inside? And you, you're like slowly approaching because there's a certain point where there's no going back. And you're trying to look, you're trying to see what's going on inside, how many cars are in the line, and you're trying to calculate. And whatever decision you make is the wrong one. And by the time the person in front of you, you realize the person in front of you has a complicated order, and they're they're like they're they've got like they're doing seven different Wendy's four for fours, they've got every single one of then half of them are replacing the drink with the frosty, and the frosties are either chocolate or vanilla, and they're they're just doing something really complicated. And by the time you realize what's happening, and inside is wide open, you've got somebody behind you. It's too late. You're stuck. You can't do it. It's my nightmare. See, we do the same thing when we're at when we're at like grocery stores or Walmart, and you approach the lines, and you're trying to calculate. You're trying to calculate which one here. Trying to discern. You're trying to listen. Which one here is going to be <laughs> going to be quick? You're looking at people's baskets. You're being a little bit creepy and ev- invasive. You're looking at people's stuff that they're buying because you're trying to calculate. And you, I always pick the wrong one. We always pick the wrong one. I think our world is actually like technology is starting to advance on the, on the principle that people don't like to wait. So there's like more and more technologies being built and companies are building themselves around shorter wait times uh, or, or the non-existence of waiting. And, and so th- there, our, our world is actually even starting to be built around removing waiting from us. I remember when shipping times were really good if they were like seven or eight days. Do you remember that back when like MapQuest existed? <laughs> but then it was like 5 days and then it was 4 days and then Amazon was like 2 days and now Amazon is 1 day and now Amazon's like we're going to build we're going to build like planes and drop it off on your front porch and 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 if you've gone to Amazon they've got like the one day the one day free, two day free and then they've got this thing that says free shipping no rush and, and it's like it'll come to you in 3 or 4 days but because you're not in a rush we'll reward you we'll give you like 5 10 dollars in credit on Amazon if you choose this option i haven't met a single person in my life who's chose that option not one person two people you too <laughs> it's like if you the, the no rush wait 3 days and like we'll we'll reward you for waiting and it's like it's not worth it amazon i'm sorry it's not worth it it's not worth it We're people who don't like to wait. We don't like to wait. And our world is being built more and more to prevent us from waiting. And I want to argue today that that's actually really damaging for the soul. Because God is always inviting us into this thing I'm going to call holy waiting. Always inviting us. Not not just like holistically, like you're in a whole season of waiting. But even like there's certain areas of your life where, where He's inviting you to run and other areas of life where He's asking you to wait. He's always inviting us into the space of waiting with Him. And waiting for God's promise and His power is better, 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 better than running ragged without it. But we don't like to wait because it provokes boredom, it stirs our unbelief, and it confronts our futility every time. See, right before ascending to heaven, Jesus tells the disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait. Go there and wait. And they wait and they pray and they wait and they pray and then they try to make a crucial decision in the middle of it. And it's important to realize they're not just in this moment a waiting community, they're also a grieving community. They're a mourning community. They're, They're grieving and processing both the absence of Jesus, which is fresh, but also the absence of Judas. They're grieving that, mourning that. See, Judas was for over three years a close friend, a confidant, a comrade, family, family, who went through like, these life-altering experiences with these people. And the community barely had time to process his betrayal before needing to process his death. Both. Both. And so here they are with 11, 11 apostles and that number, that, that looking around the room and seeing 11 apostles is just a constant reminder of the loss of their dear friend. But also a constant reminder of their own failure as a community to be faithful to Jesus. Because it wasn't just Judas that betrayed Jesus. We all did. We all didn't believe. We all went back to go fishing on Saturday after the crucifixion. And Peter particularly has his own specific betrayal. And as long as it's 11, it's not just a constant reminder of the loss of our friend Judas, but it's a constant reminder of our own shame. And Peter, as the emerging leader of this early community, feels the need to lead the community in this way, with this decision, at this moment. And I think there's a whole lot that Peter does right. I think there's a lot Peter does right. I think it was right for for him as a leader to realize the emotional processing of the community, Uh, that people needed that 12th spot filled, that void filled, uh, because of the pain it represented and and the, the, and, uh, the way that it was constantly reminding them of so much pain and they were having trouble in the grieving and mourning process moving forward. They needed a win. And at the same time, I think it was right for Peter in that moment as a leader to notice this in the community, to feel that, and to, and to feel responsible for that. I think it was right for him to turn to the Scriptures. And to turn to the Scriptures for hope and direction, for a way forward. I think it was. I think it, he. He. It was appropriate the way that he interpreted the scriptures for the community. That God foreknew this was going to happen. That God isn't distant from them. That 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 somehow they're still within God's will and plan. And at the same time, uh, uh, that that God wants that void to be filled. He wants that void to be filled. But while while having uh, uh, maybe good leadership instincts about about the community. And, 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 and turning to Scripture in a, in a righteous way, and even handling Scripture and interpreting it in a faithful way, I think they wind up at the exact wrong application. It's a great Bible study with a terrible application. And I think it makes sense that they would wind up at a bad, at a bad application because they are operating in human wisdom. They don't have the Spirit of God. And look, you can, you, can, you can study the Bible and, and, and to some degree understand it in history and, and, and literature and maybe try to interpret what it's saying, but to know how to apply that right now in a right way in your life, in your community, and to the people that you serve, you need the Spirit of God to do that. And so, so to see all of this playing out and then, and then at the end of it to make maybe uh, what I think is a, a wrong leadership decision, it's not surprising I think they, 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 they decide they need to have a twelfth disciple in order to be a complete modeling of God's redemptive plan for Israel. But how are they going to do that when they're one patriarch short of a true Israel? So they feel the need to add the twelfth in order to be a true and faithful witness, to be able to accomplish, to be a credible witness to the thing that God has asked them to do and they decide that they need to fill that 12th person right now they don't they can't wait on that it's 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 essentially necessary to do it right now and they decide that that 12th person needs to be someone who has been a witness to everything who's been with them since John the Baptist who's seen all of it who witnessed the resurrection now, all those reasons that, they, that, they, that, that Peter uses to actually make this decision right now, that, it, that they need to be a true model of the plan toward redemptive Israel, that they need to do it exactly right now, and that that person needs to be someone who's actually been with them since the beginning, none of that is in Psalms. None of that is in that Old Testament scripture that they, that they, that they use to lead up to this moment. So all of that's like interpretive analysis that they're thinking, this is how we should make this decision, but I don't think any of that's actually true. And while the need for that decision, the need to fill the 12th position is clear, I think the timing of the decision is questionable because they're not under any clear, direct leadership and they were told to wait before doing anything. I think the timing is questionable because they exist in that space without clear leadership from Jesus and the method of the decision is broken. They're new wine; they're a new wine community trying to grab from that old wineskin for direction. Rolling the dice, rolling the dice. And narrowing narrowing the options down to two or three options and then then making the assumption based on old principles that God's sovereignty can be trusted in the rolling of the dice. So that's the philosophy behind casting of lots. But even still, they're the ones who had to narrow the options and then ask God to bless their plans. And the lots chose a twelfth disciple, Matthias. And we're left wondering if Jesus would have chosen the 12th disciple. If they would have waited, or if they, would, they, if they would have waited until the Spirit came, and they would have made the decision in prayerful consultation of the Spirit of God, would this have gone differently? But I don't think we actually need to wonder that, because Jesus did make his own selection, didn't he? Jesus chose the 12th apostle. He chose Paul. The lots chose Matthias, but Jesus chose Paul. Jesus does restore the 12 patriarch model of the new kingdom, but he does it in his own time. It doesn't have to happen right now. He does it in his own time. And instead of an eyewitness to the accounts from beginning all the way to the end, he chooses an outsider who may not have the spiritual authority of knowing from the beginning and seeing from the beginning to the end what happened, but he's derived a different spiritual authority and I would argue a better, higher spiritual authority because he was a murderer of Christians. It's a diff- they, they were making that decision based on authority and credibility of the witness. What kind of authority and credibility is that? That a guy would be murdering Christians and, and, and knocked off his horse and converted to surrender his life to Jesus in a day, in a moment. Which decision between Paul and Matthias in the hindsight of history was endowed with supernatural power and promise? The apostolic leadership of Paul or the apostolic leadership of, of Matthias? What do you think? This is the difference of a decision made in our own wisdom or a decision made in consultation with the the Spirit. And we too, we too resist the invitation of Jesus into wholly waiting for Him, for His direction, for His voice. I too resist the invitation of my Lord, my Master, and my King into waiting for Him, for His leadership, for His direction, for His voice. But why? Why do we do that? Why do we prefer the immediacy of rolling a, a, a powerless dice to the delay of the power of God. I think we short-circuit holy waiting for some of the same reasons that this community did, for some of the same reasons that exist in this story. Sometimes we avoid holy waiting simply because waiting gets boring. and We're bored. And we're fidgety. And we have spiritual ADD. And we need to do something. You think your prayer meetings are boring? Imagine a prayer meeting without the Spirit of God. For seven days. You tried to do it for 30 minutes. For seven days. And some of you might not need to imagine because you've been in prayer meetings without the Spirit of God. It's like where where did he go? <laughs> now imagine one of those prayer meetings for seven straight days with 120 people in the upper room with no air conditioning, no, 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 no reprieve. And being in, in hiding the fear and the anxiety of hiding. Guys, I wouldn't have made it to day two. I would not have made it to day two. I would have tried to work on something together, get the whole community together and start working on something the afternoon of day one. I'd have been like, let's get some leadership in place. Let's get some processes in place. We really should start thinking through this thing. Jesus said this thing's going to happen. Let's start getting ready for it. Let's, who's doing the reporting? Is anybody taking notes? Secretary, treasurer, we're good. I would have started working. We'd have started working. Other times we evade holy waiting because it provokes our unbelief. Is He really coming? Is He really listening? Is He really hearing? You see, our prayers don't have read receipts, do they? Last week, Brian said there are two types of people in this world, those who like surprises and those who don't. I think there's two types of people in this world, those who have their read receipts on and those who don't. I think I, I, and There's nothing worse to me than being in an urgent conversation with someone who does not have their read receipts on. Amen? Am I the only one? If, if somebody does not have their read receipts on, after about 30 seconds of sending a text and no response, I'm itching to call you. Or text you again. Or, or thumbs up your text just to be like, hey, I'm still here, still waiting. Email you try it all. But if you have your read receipts on and I see you read it, I'll wait 10 minutes as opposed to 30 seconds. I'll wait because I know you saw it. I know you read it. So, so uh, you've helped my unbelief and I'll wait. I will wait. I think everyone should have their read receipts turned on everybody, but I'm not going to turn mine on. Because I don't want to be held hostage to access expectations, but I think everyone should have their read receipts turned on. (laughs) See, in the crucible of waiting on the Lord, we inevitably wonder, is He hearing us? In In that space of waiting on the Lord to speak in this area of your life that you're needing direction, you're needing to make a decision, things aren't going well, you need Him to break in, and you're laboring, praying, waiting on Him to come to do something, to say anything to show up, to be present. I think sometimes we, we, it provokes our unbelief and we wonder, is He even hearing us? Does He care? Is He with us? Is He even real? Am I a crazy person? Did I make all this up? And those thoughts can be so uncomfortable for us to weather that we'd rather just roll the dice and call it the Lord. Because I don't, I don't want to have to weather those, those thoughts, those doubts. I don't want to have to get through that. And so I'd rather just think about the decision, come up with three options, do human reasoning and logic, the process of elimination, roll the dice, and I think God's asked me to do this one. Sometimes we're bored, sometimes it provokes our unbelief, and other times we run away from waiting, from holy waiting, because it reminds us of our sin and our shame in the space of waiting. Just like the void of the twelfth apostle keeps reminding the others of their own sh- sin and shame, you go long enough waiting on the Lord, and you start thinking of the ways that you're not even deserving of His response. And it would be really nice of me to say, Gu- "Guys, listen." It'd be really like clean. It'd actually be like a good sermon turn for me right now to be like, "Guys, listen. You know, God doesn't need read receipts. He all, they're always there." He reads you know you don't even need him because he sees all of them he hears all of them, but guys that's actually not biblical. The Bible's actually very clear that there are times when God does not hear your prayers. That there's there's actually sin in my life in our lives that's actually hindering our prayers, blocking our prayers from reaching the Lord. And it's in that crucible of holy waiting, guys, that we start to confront that. We start to see it, we realize it, we reorient, we repent from it, and it starts to crack us open. It's in that space of waiting. See, Scripture talks about there's times He refuses to hear our prayers, and sometimes there's sin in our life that He's tried just about everything. He has tried just about everything to get our attention on it. And out of his love and his mercy and his immense grace for you, he's decided, I will not hear anything else until you hear me on this. You're trying to have this conversation with me right now. I'm still trying to have this conversation with you from five years ago. And until you come back to hear with me, I can't hear all this. I can't hear it. Come back to this that we tried to talk about five years ago and you numbed yourself to it because you preferred your sin. I'm still here. And it's actually the most gracious, merciful thing He could do for you to refuse, to coexist with your sin and move on to the other things you want. That's bad for you. He invites you to actually come back, come back to that conversation, come back to that thing that's creating that hindrance a crucial part of holy waiting to start getting into that realization and repentance of sin when you're asking him god he i need a breakthrough i need a breakthrough in my microchurch i need this person i've been trying to witness to for gosh years and they're right on the edge we i just need a breakthrough why aren't you coming why aren't you speaking why aren't you why aren't you breaking in why aren't you doing something and he's saying sorry i, I didn't hear you i was distracted by your browser history sorry, what was that that you said? I I just couldn't hear you through your unchecked racial prejudice. I'm sorry, what was that? I'm just having a hard time focusing while you exploit your people for personal and emotional gain. And guys, I can't tell you how many times the most important holiness breakthroughs in my life of things that 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 have been winning the day in me have come in spaces when I was waiting and desperate for God to do something else. Waiting, and waiting, and waiting, and why, and why, and why, and eventually he hits me because of this thing over here that we tried to deal with years ago, and you refused and kept moving forward. But guys, that's the, that's, that, is the, that is not the revenge or pettiness or retribution of God. That is the furious love of God for you in a very personal way. To refuse to move on from your sin, he just has unending mercy for you. Unending. And if you try to short-circuit that waiting process and and just try to narrow it down and roll the dice, you might still miss the thing that He's engaging you to wake up to, to realize. Where are you being invited into holy waiting? And in that waiting, maybe in the past or right now, have you been tempted to surrender your life to the roll of the dice instead of the voice of Jesus? Some of you have a, have a hunger to lead. Some of you have a hunger to maybe, maybe start a microchurch or do something in the city. Have you been waiting to hear a calling from Jesus? Have you been waiting for the direction and the voice of God in that thing? But maybe you've been tempted to work out your calling in human wisdom and just, just kind of just think about the options out there and the things you like and then just like roll the dice and call something calling and run toward it. Don't you roll the dice. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. For power and promise, wait on the Lord before you run in vain. Some of you are leading a, a, a dwindling microchurch or, or did you just don't feel like it's going well or you just don't feel like it's meeting up to like the expectations you had and, and you're waiting on the Lord for fresh direction. You're in the space of holy waiting right now for, for Him to break through, to, 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 to bring a fresh wave of His Spirit and the thing that you're doing and then you as a leader. Uh, and maybe you've been tempted to just shut it down and quit it's not working. And maybe you've been tempted to like shake the dust off. This just isn't working and I've got precedent to do that. But guys, listen, don't you do that until the Lord gives you that release. Wait on the Lord. Don't roll the dice and call it God. Wait on the Lord. Wait for him to give you direction, leadership. You might have a certain person or a certain community of people that you've been trying to reach without much fruit. You've been, maybe you've been toiling and laboring with one person for months or one community of people for years and you just haven't seen a whole lot of fruit and you might want to throw in the towel give up, walk away but guys don't roll the dice wait on the Lord, wait on Him He cares, wait on Him some of you are single and you don't necessarily feel called to singleness don't you dare roll the dice you wait on the Lord wait for Him don't look around here and make like a list of ten people and each interaction you have with one of them eh, uh, or question, question mark maybe. Wait on the Lord guys. Don't, don't get, down to, get, get down to three or four and they'll be like, here we go. <laughs> don't do that. Some of you whose marriage right now is just going through it. Just going through it. You keep fighting. Jesus is with you. And as you wait, and you're waiting for the Lord to bring a breakthrough, and you feel like you're just going through it, you wait on the Lord to give you direction. Don't you roll the dice. Don't do it. Wait on the Lord. College students who don't quite yet know what to do with your life, guys, welcome to the club. Nobody in this room knows what they're doing with their life. What's going on like one month at a time here. Don't, don't, and if you haven't selected a major yet, who cares about all the pressure that comes with that? I don't care. Like, just, just keep all the options open. Wait on the Lord. Listen to Jesus. Wait on the Lord. Don't roll the dice on that. Parents in the room whose kids are just, in a, just in a bad space, and you're at the end of yourself with parenting. Like, I've literally done everything here. And I need Jesus. <laughs> My kids need Jesus to break through. And I need wisdom from God on how to parent because I don't know what I'm doing. Don't you, don't you take the dice and say, here's two or three things I'm going to do. and Don't you do it. You wait on the Lord for direction. Beg with Him. Don't put like an end time on that. You wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Intercede for the sake of your kids. The worship team would come up. I just want to close with one little implication, thought. See, God's plans are immensely more powerful. Immensely more powerful, good, holy, and transformative than our plans that we make without Him. And then we give to Him and ask for Him to bless. His plans are immensely more than our plans. And sometimes our innocent plans that we grab onto and try to put His stamp on it, those plans can actually get in the way of receiving from him the thing that he wanted for us in the first place. The thing that he wants to do in you, and us, in your community. You see, the apostles choosing Matthias didn't stop Jesus from choosing his own 12th apostle. Just because they chose one didn't mean he stopped. He still chose one. He still chose his selection for the twelfth apostle, but the the apostles choosing their own did hinder them from receiving and accepting the apostle that Jesus chose. You see, when Jesus, we'll study this way later. Just hold it in your back pocket. When Jesus chooses Paul, and Paul is brought to the to the apostles to kind of share what what Jesus had done in his life, showed up on the Damascus roads on the Damascus road blinded him short term said why are you persecuting me because you're persecuting my people i'm sending you to actually be part of my work now <clears throat> and when he shows up to the to the to the other 12 apostles they're afraid of him they're angry at him they've got questions they're discerning they're not sure they have to put him through they put him a bit through like a process of like proving himself but this was the plan Jesus had for filling out the 12 apostles. Can you imagine what the, how the apostles would have reacted if that 12 spot was still void? And they'd been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for Jesus to answer that longing that they had. And praying and praying and praying for his direction. And suddenly Paul shows up, and he, it's like, dude, we got a ton of issues with you. You've been murdering people. This isn't cool. We got a lot of questions, but God has answered. God has answered. And I think he, that, that plan would have been received with so, so much more thankfulness, generosity, grace, openness, gratitude, worship, because God had answered in a way that was beyond their imagination, beyond what they could even conceive or think, he answered. If you roll the dice, God still might move, but you might not be able to receive the better way that he's providing if you hold too closely to what you chose. I lived, uh, some of you some of you don't know. I mean, I've only been living here for two, for two years now. It's actually this month It's two years, <clears throat> and back in 2010, I lived here for one month. I was a senior in college, and you, people put me up in the lake house, which was culture shock and craziness. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, who are these crazy people? <clears throat> and I lived in the lake house for about a month. And I was just here, I was like, I was like working around the hub with Brian and Jeremy and just doing projects and cleaning things. And then at night I would go to different microchurches and learn about what they were doing. And I was doing just different outreaches and stuff. I was just learning about this, this way of being the church uh, because we had something going on up in Illinois and I was just trying to learn about what we were doing and how we could learn from this community. And When I was down here at the end of my month, I, I basically just said, I just want to move here. Senior year of college, I just had like three or four months left, and I just thought, I just want to move here. I think I know what I think I know what I want to do now. I was unclear before, uh, but this feels really comfortable. I really like this. This is great. The Lord is calling me to be here because this has been great. I really like these people. God is asking me to be here. So and I didn't, I, guys. I didn't pray at all. I was. It wasn't like I heard from the Lord. I just thought I like this. The God must want me to do it. <laughs> so I'm gonna move here. So much so that I, I I approached InterVarsity here and told them I'm going to come on staff here at the end of my at the end of my college tenure, and I'm going to and, and we started having conversations about what that might look like. And I was I was maybe going to come on staff at HCC, and Stacy was the regional director at the time. And Stacy had to put a call on up to my regional director because of bureaucracy and all that kind of stuff. So they were like they were like talking about me and and me being able to go to Florida and is that okay and all that kind of stuff, and so it was like in process. And then I go back to Illinois, and we're having this prayer meeting with all these leaders in Illinois, and God, like, speaks into this prayer meeting and says, you, you're, you're supposed to stay in Carbondale. Like, everybody in the room was like, we just feel like we're supposed to stay here in this town and keep doing the ministry that we've been doing in the city. And there was a part of me that was like, this is what God is doing. This is what God is saying. And then there was this other part of me that was like, but I wanted to do this other thing. I really liked those people. I was excited about that. And there was, this pe- there was this little piece of me that had grabbed around a plan that I made. I rolled the dice. I made it. And I just said, your sovereignty is around the dice I roll, and I'm just going to go do the thing. And I couldn't see, I couldn't really fully see what God was doing in my own city. And thank, thank God for a community discerning with me to see, to see that, open up to that, to see what he was doing and let, let my own f- f- flawed plan go and to stay. And we stayed in Carbonell. We built that thing as a community. We, we, we tried to do ministry together, tried to build the kingdom in a unique way. And there was just this little piece of me that still felt like, there's just my little family over in Tampa. And I still feel like there's a piece of me that was, was maybe supposed to be there, but I just kind of designed my own plan. I just designed my own thing and stamped it like this is gonna happen. And, and two years, you know, six, seven years later, uh, the, the thing in, the thing in my role in the the Ministry in Illinois was just starting to adjust and starting to change and, uh, and and Brian flew up to St. Louis and sat down with me over lunch and within the first like ten seconds, I realized he was talking to me about moving down here and I could barely pay attention to him. We were sitting in this weird hipster restaurant in downtown St. Louis it's called the Shaved Duck. What a weird restaurant and I was like, I realized within five seconds what he was talking about, and i almost couldn 't pay attention because I realized, like, in the conversation, I realized this, is, this would not, none of this, this is God's plan at work, and none of this would have happened if I would have held on to my own thing in 2010. If I would have said yes in 2010, I would have damaged all of this whole, I would have damaged you, I would have damaged myself, I would have damaged the staff. This is the better thing that God had. I just didn't want to wait. I just didn't want to wait. I wanted to rush. I wanted to rush. I wanted to get it. I didn't want to. I was was stuck in my own belief. I was stuck in my own shame. I was was, uh, stuck. I was bored. I didn't know what to do with my life. And I just rolled the dice, found one, stamped it. And thank God by His mercy that He kept me from that thing. Because this has been the better thing. This has been the better plan. This has been the more powerful plan. I'm grateful for a God who is strong and wise and gracious and merciful even when I am weak and futile and I rush and I have insecurities and yet He keeps inviting me in to wait for Him to deal with all those exact things. He just keeps bringing me in. He just keeps bringing me in to wait with Him. He's ushering you in too. As we come to the table this morning, we let go of of our insecurities and our comforts. And we say yes to Jesus who leads us into the refining space of holy waiting. Guys, waiting on the Lord, waiting on His promise for you, waiting on His power to come through you is so much better than running ragged without Him. And so this morning come To take the sacraments knowing that the space of waiting he's invited you into is full of his presence, full of his mercy, full of his grace and he's doing something in you in the waiting, don't short circuit it, don't evade it, don't run away from it, he wants you there and he's going to give you direction when it's time on the night he was betrayed he took the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body broken for you when you eat it, you eat it in remembrance of me in the same way, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink it, you drink it in remembrance of me. So guys, so some of you I know. I know some of you have been in the throes of waiting. I know you have. And you've been wrestling with doubt. And you've been in that space, you've been wrestling with shame. So guys, this morning come to receive from the one who scorned your shame. And come to the one who conquered death on your behalf and is not afraid of your doubts. Come this morning to receive from him and go away committed to the intimacy of waiting with him, to hear from him, surrender to whatever he wants to say, whenever he wants to say it. When you're ready, the elements given for you.